Last Gems of Grace, I mentioned how Satan is the original regifter, repackaging the same old garbage, sin, and traps for us to continually keep falling in. But did you know one of the ways we can serve biblical justice is through giving? Well, that's what we'll talk about today when sharing is caring on Gems of Grace. I remember my first day of kindergarten like it was yesterday. Up until that point, it was one of the most exciting moments in my young life. For one reason, I was able to finally see the inside of the building my three older brothers had spent their elementary school years in. On some level, I suppose that made me feel like one of the bigger kids, too. I was also eager because at last I was allowed to use the eraser mom had gotten me. Now, before you make a rush to judgment about the silliness in that, you must first understand this just wasn't any eraser. No, sir, no, ma'am. This particular eraser disguised itself as a run-of-the-mill pencil, having an eraser on one end. Except for when you looked on the other end of this supposed pencil, there was, you guessed it, another eraser. This was a big deal. So you can imagine my response when Jennifer Addison, who didn't even sit by me, walked up and demanded I give her my eraser (laughs) in her dreams. To my dismay, our teacher, Mrs. Strong, spotted the controversy and after introducing the two of us and making us shake hands, gave me my first public taste of the S word. She asked me what I share. If you had ever seen Mrs. Strong's big brown eyes or heard her deep, raspy voice, then you too would understand how impossible it was for even a five-year-old Wade to say no to her. And I did not. In the first century church, there was no needy because they made sure of it. We modern folks complain about the redistribution of wealth as we know it. But these people of God literally sold their possessions and shared the money. Could you do that? Now, if you said yes and you actually meant it, pray for the rest of us, starting with me to get there. Because I'm not there yet. The first century church was, however, and it was in this same spirit that God added to their number daily. Long before deacons became the unofficial pastoral watchdog society for most Christian churches, they were dedicated to a mission of social justice. They were originally assigned to run feeding programs because the apostles were overworked and needed some people who could help share their responsibilities. One group of Jews complained against the other because they were being neglected when it came to food distribution. That's in Acts 6, verses 1 through 5. This is especially noteworthy because Acts 4 and 32 teaches us all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They started out in generosity, but just a short time later, greed had now begun to set in. At first, no one was needy because they all made sure of it. Now, they were fighting over who got the last chicken sandwich. 
Most polls have found the percentage of church members who tithe today to be fewer than 10%. If just half the church would give one-tenth of our income back to God, as his word commands, how much more could we provide for each other? And what message would that send to those who are without Christ? Many of us are hesitant to give due to the reports we seem to hear all of the time about some pastor's gross misuse of funds. But it's important to remember Jesus knew Judas was shady and still allowed him to be the treasurer for his ministry. That's in John twelve six. This is not a commentary on prosperity nor a green light for abuse of money in the church. Of course, we are to sow in a good ground, but we must first improve at letting go of what belongs to God and letting him handle anything fishy that happens after that. Can you imagine what our churches would be like if nobody among us was needy? How much stress would that relieve in individual families? How many more hours a week in our busy worlds could then be free to help serve people outside the church? These would be hours spent at love and action that could lead to making new disciples. Is there a way the 21st century church could make sure enough resources are available so that no one in the household of faith would be hungry or homeless? How could we, the church, transition to the point where there would be no needy among us? Could the answer to world hunger, homelessness, and more be the same as my first lesson in kindergarten? Share. And did you know that God does not need our gifts? The people we share with may have some needs we get to help. But I guarantee you, God in all his self-sufficiency is not pacing the golden streets on high trying to strategize his next move if you and I don't become better at giving. Rather, there is something about our giving which God uses to make our lives richer. Jesus is the only person I've ever met who can take the little we have, use it to bless someone else, and then turn around and give us more as a result. Consider the widow in 1 Kings 17. She was literally down to her last meal. She was going to cook her last meal for her son and herself and die. She had it all planned out until Eliza told her to first share with him. And once she did, she never ran out of food again. Notice the pattern. She lacked. She gave. She never ran out again. I believe God has been trying to challenge someone to give back more, but you feel like you don't have enough to give back. Let me challenge you as Eliza challenged the widow. Don't be afraid, but give and watch God. Give and watch God. You know, my mother never ceases to amaze me. Years ago, she saw in her church a lack in their food and hospitality ministries. She saw some stale cookies and watered down punch and decided that was insufficient for representation of her God. The next week, she began putting together small meals for the group that would come to the fellowship hall after Sunday services. She had no budget, but that didn't stop her. She brought what she had from her own household goods, and someone else brought something else. And then she was awarded a budget by the church to operate on. And then deals from stores happened. Soon, 
That empty fellowship hall was filled with laughter and love, and an atmosphere of fellowship was cultivated. Next, they got involved with the homeless, and people would come to have food and stay to hear the gospel message preached. When she retired from that stage in her life, some 17 years later, she was no less than astounded by the appreciation and generosity and the numbers of people who showed up to honor her, because that's what happens when sharing is caring. Notice the pattern from the story I gave you about my first day of school. I had something that Jennifer did not. Mrs. Strong cultivated an atmosphere of unity, and when she did, I shared. Not only did I share, but I also shared politely. And I believe, as a partial result, it turned out that Jennifer Addison and I remained good friends throughout grade school. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says God loves a cheerful giver. And when unity and sharing takes place through God's people, God, through His Holy Spirit, gets involved. Old enemies can become new friends, and those who once bore lack can now thrive in abundance when sharing is caring. Thank you so much for joining me today. I never take lightly your decision to listen to me sharing God's Word. Please remember, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at GE Missions. Thanks once again. For Gems of Grace, I am Wade C. Long.